and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. It was a rough weekend in the FA Cup for all of us, and I'd really rather not mention it. So let's look forward to shaking it off as best as we can and head back into the league with the clash against high-flying Ipswich Town this weekend. It's been an unbelievable season, really, for the Tractor Boys, sitting in second on their return to the Championship. And, of course, as always, when we do play Ipswich, we've got Ben Bloom here to join us, as always, to give us a lowdown on why it's gone so well. Ben, my voice is a bit knackered, so please take over. Um, how are you, mate? You okay? I'm amazing. Do we want to reveal what the last thing you said was before we before we went on air? <laughs> oh, what a start! Other than that, I am um, yeah, I'm I'm very happy and always love to catch up. Um, but we've been doing this dance since the League One days when we were both struggling oh, yeah. to get up the the third tier. So I'd normally look at last match and stuff like that. But can you somewhat how felt being a Ipswich fan over the past should we say year six months? Well, we have we have to detach a little bit, Graham, because um, the last six months, year, eighteen months have, has been absolutely amazing. And I, I think the key word now is is certainty. We've had so much certainty over that period, and um, and this is I'm not criticizing my club or my team. They've been absolutely brilliant. This is the first little period where some of the certainty has gone that we kind of knew exactly what was going to be happening, who was going to be playing. And now the main striker is out for the season and the captain is suspended and the results have just dropped a little. So what we find out now, Graham, is was it the perfect storm of everything or is Kieran McKenna as incredible as a lot of people say he is? Because if he is, he'll... um, He'll get he'll get through this um, moment, but I, if you'd have talked to me six weeks ago, I would have been more confident than I am talking to you today. Oh, that's fa- that's really good for us. Brilliant, fantastic. I thought you were going to be like everything's amazing. The world is my oyster, but um, good. I've got to tell you the truth, mate. This is how we mm. roll, isn't it? It's true. Um, you mentioned McKenna there. We touched on him briefly, I think, at the start of the season when we didn't know what the hell was going to happen for either of us. Um, and obviously he's really highly rated, and I feel like whenever someone loses their job in the championship, it'll go, go and get Kieran McKenna. Not going to happen. Um, he's got you in second. We're going to touch on the recent form soon, but how much credit does he deserve for not just getting you up and getting you out? Because it's a slog getting out of League One, but just, I mean, you're second off top. But that's all I need to say, really. Um, pretty much all the credit, I think. Um, obviously the ownership, um, you know, it, you know what it's like. You were a you were a just a giant club in League One terms. Um, I we have, we have these kind of weird, you know, conversations about big giant. I think Ipswich is a big club at League One size, isn't it? You know, and obviously with the history and whatnot. But we were well funded. Um, put it that way. Wait for the accounts to come out, and I think you'll you'll find out that. But you still need someone to knit something together and we just saw the credibility of what he did in league one if this makes sense graham by what then happened in the championship because if you come up you know like plymouth were magnificent weren't they but then they come in and you know good home record um, manager's been poached now etc etc but not second weren't batting out record points totals so 
yeah, he deserves massive amounts of credit. And um, as I alluded to uh, in the, we're going to find out how much he is controlling this and puppeteering it, as opposed to how much it's the combination of everything. Um, yeah, we 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 we're now starting to starting to find that out. The the, the going is tough, and you you know it's it's like the back nine on the golf course, isn't it? And this is where the real business happens, and particularly big teams with um, Premier League budgets and parachute payments and and the like, and managers tend to really click into gear at this point with 20 to go. I think the most interesting thing for me with Ipswich, and you could probably say that Sunderland did the same, but I feel like the players that... I was going to ask how you've adapted so well from League One towards the Championship with roughly the same squad. And when I look at Sunderland, we did the same, i.e. we had Patrick Roberts really stepped up, and Jack Clark is still stepping up. But I feel like the likes of Patrick Roberts and... Jack Clark were always having the potential to be a top-end championship player when we got them, and that's what you hoped, and that's what it worked out as. With all due respect to Ipswich, when I look at Wes Burns, for example, I remember a League One player, and I didn't say... 70, 70 grand from Fleetwood, yeah? Yeah, exactly. He played for Fleetwood. like, And I'm not saying he is a terrible player, but I've never seen his potential as being as high as it is. I've always been a big fan of Nathan Broadhead. I wasn't sure whether he was automatic promotion material, um, in the championship, I thought he might be a good championship striker. But why is it Ipswich have um, transisted so well and so quickly with a bulk of a squad that essentially for a couple of seasons were struggling in League One at various different teams? It's just continuity, isn't it? They've done, they did exactly the same thing as they did in League One. And um, we got to the run in um, last year in League One, and Ipswich just, you know, went into. You know, like when Usain Bolt broke all those world records, he gets about 60 metres and just go into hyperspeed. That that was what we did last year. And all the numbers said it, it was so, so dominant. And um, that was the foundations for the first half of, of this season. And, I mean, you're totally right. We do that, don't we? We look at individual players and, um, yeah, OK. <laughs> Especially when you look at Leicester, Leeds and Southampton, you can go, yeah. 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, blah, blah, blah. But what I hope um, the first half of the season and whether we're now getting the crushing reality of what, what's actually going to happen, but what the first half of the season proves is that if you do have stability, you keep the same manager for more than 18 months, you you know keep the same pattern of play and build on it and you know that pattern of play is, is good, you mean... You know, that's been the that's been the sort of secret to it, and I was really pleased to hear Daniel Farker um, before before Leeds beat us four 0 but um, said they play in a unique way, and to hear someone like him say that is kind of kind of gratifying to me because um, as much as we're invested, we're laymen, aren't we, Graham? There's things that these managers are doing that we're not picking up on because we're <laughs> we're not professional football managers and it was lovely to hear him say that with two championship titles in his um, trophy cabinet i just like hearing daniel Fokker speak because i think he has the funniest <laughs> voice like oh he, he talks so much sense as well though doesn't mm-hmm. he I really, he's a he, he's he's a um a, a press conference that i'll actually enjoy you know unlike michael beals um Talking of managers, I know we touched on McKenna before and asked how much credit you should have. Now, 
I also said before, whenever a championship job comes up and a club who perceives themselves to be bigger than Ipswich goes, go for Kieran McKenna. I honestly think if he continues the projection, he's going to get a Premier League job, let alone championship. But one thing I actually don't know about Kieran McKenna is style of play outside of his possession-based and he's quite forward-thinking. What is it that he's brought to Ipswich in terms of like his tactical nous? And how come no one's picked it up before when he was a youth team manager or academy manager at Man United? Um, I mean, it's hard to say in terms of why it hasn't been picked up before. In defensive Manchester United, a sentence nobody ever says, but how would they have known, you know, what they had kind of sat there? And um, you just never know, do you, until it's rolled out in a first team experience. But what he brings is, um, and I don't want to come out with the David Brent management cliches, but it is all, it's true, this process thing and this repetition and, you know, that you'll never beat the accruing of just marginal gains over and over and over again. So so there's that. And I think that has, um, if you see the um, trajectory of the team, that's, I think that's evidenced in, you know, the, the sort of points totals and the performances going, trending up the way they have. Um, it brings a lovely calmness and you know you talk about um maybe Mick Beale um is a little bit more old school in his messaging when he's doing the press conferences and and whatnot you get none of that from McKenna it's all very kind of studious ear to the ground um so yeah he's kind of um he's the new breed isn't he the personality managers um you know, Mick McCarthy's managed both of our clubs. We call him one of them. You know, they're, they're just that do a lot of it on charisma and man management, don't they? I think with how the game's advanced and even at championship level, you've got possession teams and you've done it yourself really well. And um, everyone's mired in um, three feet of data, aren't they? The, the personality managers are getting phased out and you have Sheffield Wednesday getting a 34 year old and Liam Manning going in at Bristol. He's like 36 or seven, isn't he? McKenna's young as well. Russ Martin's the the same, isn't he? So um, it was a bit us catching up with the times now, but um, yeah, he's just he's just nailed it. Yeah, seems like he has. Um, on to the good news for Sunderland fans. That said, we've discussed how good of a season you're having, but if you take out the FA Cup, which we'll come on to. Um, you are five with that win in the league. That's four draws and the 4-0 defeat elite, which you discussed before. You're touching it a little bit um, with a couple of players missing, but what has been sort of the main reasons for your slight dip in form? Right, let's do the... I'm not known as an emotional football fan who talks crap, but if I was, this is what I would say. So the first game of the run was against Norwich, and that's always an outlier. As you know, you've just had a derby, just the emotion and, you know, what that takes out of you so that was a draw that they they should have won so happy with the performance in that um against Leeds you have to hold your hands up we're a league one team playing a year one parachute team we tried to attack them they have brilliant forwards they scored with a set play with their first attack um and then proceeded to pick us off and you know it was we they just murdered us in the end so that was one that if you play that game a hundred times, yeah, that is the outcome, maybe a quarter of the times, but yeah, they, they were deserved winners in that. Then of course we played Leicester and I thought we played really well um, and managed to 
um, managed to get a lucky late goal, but it was. Do you know what I mean when I say it was deserved on the basis that they went for it in the in the second half against? I mean, I don't. How did you guys get on against Leicester? Got beat one 0 It's just a freak show of a team for championship. Oh, we level. played. We played really well. Like if we scored, it yeah, would have been deserved. But at the same time, you're like, ah. Eh. Yeah, like, you know, they're going to get like 150 of... points or something. <laughs> exactly. Some of their players are, and Leicester are a huge outlier <clears> because they literally had one bad season in the in the Premier League and got relegated during it after building up a squad's worth of you know 40 million pound players. So that's the first three games, and George Hurst got injured, um, who's very important, the striker against Leicester. So he's missed the last two, and he's going to miss the season now. So that could be highly problematic. Um, Loads of changes, loads of injuries and illness. Nil-nil against QPR. Nil-nil against Stoke. It felt like just get through those those games. And, okay, a couple of clean sheets, a couple of points. You would have liked to have won one of them. So, yeah, problematic. And, of course, Morsi uh, got booked against Stoke. So, that's the captain out for the next two games. So, yeah, on the one hand, I'm kind of down the middle, Graham. We're going to find out. On the one hand... There are some mitigating circumstances, but on the other hand, didn't beat QPR at, uh, at home. You know, you, you would have hoped you could have got four points against QPR and Stoke. That would have been lovely after getting one against Leeds and Leicester. I wanted to touch on that Norwich game because I watched it. Um, did you enjoy th- it? Yeah, I did actually. Great, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think I think I enjoyed it more because... It's been a while since you played each other. I used to live with a Norwich fan, so I kind of know the importance of it sort of down there. But I think what was most interesting about it, and probably not so much for you, is I thought Ipswich would win it. It was sort of geared up to been a while since Ipswich had beat Norwich. This will be the time. They've been so well. Norwich are crap. Like one of the worst teams I've seen at the stadium like the season, really poor. And Norwich kind of put in a proper derby performance and their young star got sort of two goals but I remember watching it and going all right okay it's this where Ipswich kind of go hang on everything's been like coming up roses and this hasn't which we really wanted to and it felt like Ipswich kind of went oh crap like that didn't go how we expected it to do and and this whole season's gone better than we could ever expected how much did the derby actually impact the fan base because that seemed like to be the first big bump in the road um I think it did a little bit, but I think the second half performance against Leicester then got everybody back. Um, so I would agree with your with your theory. Um, and I just remember the week before um, we went to Middlesbrough and won really good performance, and then we went to Watford. And I remember going on a Watford show after that. We won that game, and I said it was a coin flip game. And for the last six months every coin flip game, Ipswich have won. So, it, yeah, you, you're right that that was the first time because you watched the game. We missed, could genuinely have been 4-0 up at halftime. They have a brilliant young player who had four touches in our penalty box and scored two goals. Um, so the game went pretty much perfectly for Norwich, didn't it? Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And maybe um, when we were at 2-2 as well, you know, something... Maybe the occasion stopped them going on and winning that game like they have done. We've won 3-2 and 4-3 lots of times at home this season. That sounds ridiculous to say, but it's true. So, yeah, I think you've got a point that um, there might be some 
psychological thing there. But also, Graham, um, what inevitably happens after a sustained, hugely long period of overperformance? Always. And there's always, <laughs> um, always going to be a regression to the mean, isn't there? Yeah. And that, that's what I wanted to ask. You know, when you come to... Um, I mean, our season hasn't. Our season last season wasn't as impressive as Ipswich is this season, but that's not a. That, you yeah, kind of came late, standard. didn't you? Yeah, it started well, bit of a sticky middle because of certain reasons with strikers and whatnot, and then came back really strong. But I remember, like when we started really well, and I think we got beat off Norwich at home, who at the time had like Cantwell on the bench and Pookie on the bench, and after you've been years in League One, you kind of went, oh, well, we should have probably won. I think we hit the bar three times. But there was always a point where I felt in Sunderland season, you know, we wouldn't be fourth the whole season. Then we dropped a bit and I was like, oh, okay. And then we came back quite strong. You've had a better season than we had last season. No doubt about that. But was there always a, a feeling that there was going to be a difficult point within the season? It's not like an unexpected five-game run where you haven't won games. This hasn't come out of the blue. Was there always an expectation that this might happen at some point? <laughs> um, if you're as um, kind of long in the tooth as I am, then yeah, if- of course, because if you wind it back, Graham, what you're essentially asking Kieran McKenna to do is bang out, basically. And I think you're going to need like 95 points probably to finish second this season, aren't you? Look, It's looking kind of that way, like it was in, in, in League One for both of us guys. So you're basically asking him to score 200 points in two years, basically, across two divisions, uh, having been promoted. And that's not even with the conversation about the hierarchy in the championship and how dominant the the parachute teams are. And unfortunately for Ipswich, it looks like we're going to get a year where they're probably going to be the top three, aren't they? The um, the year one parachute teams. And um, Graham, a poker player can sometimes play his hand perfectly and not win. And I think that's kind of where my psychology is. You're you're looking for. Southampton to crap the bed in the last 10 games, basically, if you look at the fixtures from an Ipswich point of view. But yeah, um, when when you've been winning for like a year, no, of course you don't. Ah, well, we're going to fall off soon. You're like, this is, this is brilliant. You will never work in a place like this ever again. Fact. But, you, you know, it, it will, it will drop off inevitably, especially when you've gone up a division. So yeah, it's easy to say with hindsight, but let's just hope they can they can write it. And we will do well not to finish in the playoffs. That would have to be a hell of a drop-off with the points on the board. So yeah, you 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 don't know. And if someone can take out the year one parachute team that's inevitably gonna be in there, um, you've got a chance. I always found it funny that we beat Southampton 5 0 this season. I'm like, I forget that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? What a mental, mental season and a mental, mental division. Um, would I change it? Yes, probably for my own benefit. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure the neutrals wouldn't. When when you get them in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. Mm. Although, although actually, if you ask me right now, I'd probably have Southampton second behind Leicester. But hey, um, like I said, the way the fixtures stack up, if they don't give themselves a big lead, uh, Leeds v Southampton on the last game of the season could be fun as well, couldn't it? Oh, I didn't even realize we were playing each other. Jeez. <laughs> Um, moving away from league a little bit, I don't really want to talk about the FA Cup for obvious reasons, but it's which did break that five game winless run. If you include the cup, it was AFC Wimbledon, it was 10 men, fair enough, expected to win. But sometimes just getting a win when you're on 
not a poor run of form, but a winless run of form can be important. Has that sort of helped the mood around the fan base a bit or was it just too expected? Yeah, it's not going to do any harm, is it? You know, no. so, so if you if you go and draw the game and you get a replay, I was hearing um Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, <laughs> this is the worst case scenario. Drawing is far worse than losing in the FA Cup with the fixtures. So, and we've got Maidstone at home as well, which is a game. I mean, you could look at it as a no-win situation because you're expected to win and anything less is a massive failure, but it's a home draw and you can literally play the B team or the 1B, 1A team or whatever and probably win that game. So yeah, I think I would I think I would agree that that's a that's a good thing. Um and a couple of the players that featured um you know might be able to step up and do do something different. But yeah, I'm sure we're about to get into it. It's just no Morsi and no Hurst is is a problem. Yeah, I think you know when I look at the players that Ipswich fans seem to point out outside of the goal scorers. I feel like a lot of people do point towards Morsi, which, to be honest, I wasn't where he was at, which is massive, I think, from what I've seen. But when you look across the team, especially team that's in first, second, third or fourth, you'll see a player who scored 10, 15 goals at this point, give or take. Um, but you haven't really had an out-and-out goal scorer in terms of players that have like banged loads of goals in. You've got Chaplin and Broadhead have eight each. George Hurst has six. Marcus Harness, which is the most League One name I've ever... like. He just reminds me of <laughs> League it's, One. He's been brilliant, Graham, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> good, good League One player, but he was always at the yeah. one you'd fear. And it was like, have we fallen that far? And it turns out he's he's fallen upwards as well. Um, he's got four. The was got four. And then there's a load of other players on three. Um might sound like a daft question because I think it always has to be the, the team effort if you're going to get anywhere near the playoffs or automatic promotion. But do Ipswich have like an outstanding player or is it all about the team and how it's gelling together? Well, Leif Davis, the left back, is the outstanding player in terms of the value that you'd be able to sell him for. But no, it's just um, football is not now you have two guys up front and... You have a couple of wingers and, you know, the ball goes forward to the two guys. And um, if one of them's Alan Shearer or Ian Rush or whatever, they score 30 goals every season. Just not like that anymore. And the the George Hurst role in the team is, is very much try and pin back the defenders. So if you do have to play the channels or go long, he can do that. Come short and receive the ball and be on the end of chances. But no that a lot of the time when the play is built, the idea is to make cutbacks and um, chances for whoever's, if it's Connor Chaplin in the number 10 or if Broadhead's in there or or Burns. So it's almost like, whereas you and I have grown up on get the ball to the number nine, and it, you, Quinn and Phillips, for God's sake, you know, and you have just a beast of a partnership that all you have to do is make sure you get good ball into them multiple times during the game and they'll score just tons and tons of goals whereas it's just not the way not the way they play so it is nicely spread out but then the ridiculous thing is um this player you've pointed out that we don't have this out and out goal scorer um take them out of the team <laughs> and it's a big problem because who's stretching them and we're both huge Nathan Broadhead fans but um don't see him as a number nine to occupy say a, a Dan Ballard at the at the back you know that's that's ending one way isn't it I wanted to ask you about um Sunderland because I think for the people who don't know obviously you cover the whole of the championship 
as it is, you're an Ipswich fan, loads of good championship content on your channel. If people haven't seen it, I'm sure they have, but if they haven't, we will link to it in the description. Um, Sunderland have had a lot of change. It's been a bit of a mental past couple of weeks to the point where I didn't even do a reaction show because I was so bloody angry, not just about the result, everything that surrounded the club and the, the Black Cats bond hospitality and everything that happened. And we've also had a change of manager in kind of patchy form. When you look at Sunderland, a lot's actually changed since we last spoke, which was like less than six months ago. We've appointed a new manager, probably controversially in many ways. But what have you made of Sunderland over the past month in terms of the manager change and getting rid of Mowbray and sort of the the rumours circling around Jack Clark and the patchy form? What, like what, what are Sunderland to outside fans at the moment? Sunderland, to me, strike me as some... Something, uh, a club where you can see loads and loads of positive things, but you look at it and you think that needs more stability to put all those positive things together into a kind of promotion campaign. I did think you were good last season, but I did think the door opened up with Norwich and Watford wasting their U1 parachute advantage. And the top six then opened up, didn't it, for Luton and Coventry and Sunderland um to get in there didn't it um so I think there's a lot of good there I mean I find the recruitment really fun because it's just so everyone says you bring in a, a few young players and you integrate them through with you know um experienced players and players that are ready to go it's <laughs> Sunderland like nope just having all young players which I think is is brilliant will it work if it does work, it will be an out, an outlier because you know you'd need those. But but they might they might kind of all come up together and get that experience together. Um, it did always feel like Mowbray was a placeholder. I have to say, even right back from I was at the playoff semi at um, Luton, and I always remember the day after. Oh, suddenly they're about to sack Tony Mowbray, and you're like, if that's leaked, and that's being discussed, and there's any validity to it. He's at some point, whenever they get the opportunity, and it turned out that just needed McBeal to become available, they're gonna they're gonna take him out of the job. And honestly, I think exactly the same is gonna happen at Birmingham. I think he'll stabilize them, he'll get them moving the right way. And when their McBeal, Wayne Rooney character is available, they'll stick him in there and say, Thanks, Tony, you got us all set up now. And um, but hey, this isn't a pity party for I'm sure Ipswich and Sunderland fans have got plenty of good things to say about Tony Mowbray, haven't they? But um, I see, yeah, I see so much potential with the squad. And as much as it sounds like you don't like the manager, I think he's probably going to do quite well. Um, and the recruitment is, <laughs> it's almost like there's no guarantees in any of it. But if they all come together, you could get a, a Norwich 2018-19 thing where it's like wow you know stick this unknown German manager in sign a load of unknown players try and play this expensive football oh champions you know so it could go that way but um the more logical part of my brain says um maybe it needs to be knitted together in more of a uh, familiar way for how teams without parachute payments do in a championship I 100% agree. Yeah, I think a, a lot of fans listening will agree with that, that a bit of experience, the likes of Alex Pritchard 
been one of our best players this season. He's 29th an ancient aging man by our standards. Yeah. Um, has been one of our key players and that's everything together really well. But um, two more for you, of course, predictions as always. But I feel like this game for us is important based on the past week that we've had, but it's a bloody tough game because um, it's Ipswich away, second off top, as we, we've said. But for Ipswich, when you look at the league table, it felt like you and Leicester were gone a few weeks ago, to be completely honest. And then I've looked at what the gap is, and it is three points. Um, yeah, and so Southampton play first, so they overtake if they win. Ah, exactly. Yeah, because we're uh, quarter past five? Half five, yeah. Half yeah. five, yeah. For those who don't know, um, like me, who should know that, recording a podcast about the game. Late um, night for your yeah. boys and girls coming down on the motorway, isn't it? Sold out, standard. Um, yeah, you got to love that. But considering that, you know, you've maybe unexpectedly done well and that you're there now. Once you're there, the expectations changed. Yeah. Um, with it just being three points, and as you say, Southampton playing first and Leeds kind of like breathing down your neck as well. How important is the game against Sunderland on uh, Saturday for you? It's vitally important if we win it, isn't it? Um, but yeah, the, the expectation, of course, goes up. But anybody who's studied the championship in any way whatsoever surely knows that if a team promoted from League One, and I'm not exaggerating this for hyperbole, Graham, finishes within 25 points, you know, if you assume a parachute team year one is going to get 90 points and you're going to get 65, that's a good season. So that would have been my expectations going in and they've just obviously blitzed those. And yeah, might just be a case of hanging there and hope for somebody else to fall off and go on a terrible run. But yeah, uh, full stadium. You know, Sunderland's a great club, like you say, with the always sold out away end. And God, even the colours, even the red and white stripes. And that that is going to look great on TV. So it would be a big game to win. But I've, I've gone for the, I'm not sure both teams to score Desmond 2-2 prediction, I have to say. Uh, Graham, what say you? Uh, I don't think I've done this this season. I think we'll get Nick 2-1, um, but I think it'll be really similar to the start of the season. Broadhead's going to score, obviously. <laughs> and I and I felt like opening day of the season, I felt like we were the better team. You were. Yeah, that was an outlier. Uh, it sounds like I'm making excuses. I wouldn't use that game as evidence because it was so silly, wasn't it, with the 20-minute stoppage time at the... At the, we played to 110 minutes or something ridiculous. And oh yeah, um, we did 13 minutes in yeah, time. That's right. That was just a muscle memory win for <clears throat> Ipswich and Sunderland had 20 new players or something, didn't they? So I wouldn't read too much into that. But yeah, that's a draw. If you play that game 100 times, that's a draw 99 times, isn't it? Probably. Yeah, I think so. We had two identical goals within like weeks. I think Preston, I think it was Will Keane scored the same goal Broadhead scored, but it was like the deflected shot that went straight yeah. past the keeper. So, but um, Ben, always good catching up, mate. I wish you no luck on Saturday, of course, um, <laughs> as I never, ever have. But um, where can we find your stuff? Because obviously you don't just cover it, but you cover the whole of the championship. Loads of people watch it. But if they don't, I would really recommend them doing it. And I'm not just saying that because I like you. It's because it's good. So it's the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel for the whole thing. But I'm going to be very humble here and say I'm a host on the Blue Monday podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll be reviewing the game on Sunday at 8 p.m. And um, we know you have a massive fan base, Sunderland. So we'd love to see some of those in the live chat. It is grown up. If you're going to come and boo here some play pantomime <laughs> tribal football fan, then 
please don't bother. But if you listen to Graham's content, you're probably um, a little bit more intelligent than that, anyway. But yeah, we'd love to see um, we'd love to see some Sunderland fans. Um, so yeah, that's the Blue Monday podcast on on Sunday night um, at eight pm live on YouTube. I never go live. Don't trust myself, um, <laughs> for obvious reasons, as we pinpointed in this yes. show. Um, ben, thanks very much. Good to see you, mate. Legend. <laughs>